Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Uh, Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, uh, Jamie and Brienne. Hi everybody, I'm Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. And tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. And Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast on Twitter. So tonight we are covering Tyrion 12 from A Clash of Kings. And uh, as always, uh, I'm really not sure what we could be spoiling at this point if you've been listening, but we spoil everything, um, books and show. I don't know, someone will bitch about it if we do. So, um, <laughs> and as always, especially with Tyrion, uh Trigger warning for discussion of rape and or, well, misogyny and probably violence. So, you know, fun times. Um, So between this and the last chapter, I did actually looked up what happened. Um, Theon is in charge at Winterfell and things are not going that great. He's complaining because nobody likes him. Um, all he did was like, you know, throw the Septon down a well as an offering to the God, drowned God. And um, Bran, Rickon, Asha, and Hodor have gone missing, and he's getting help from Reek. I'm sure that's going to go well for him. Um, behind, beyond the wall, John, John and Corrin Halfhand are scouting, and they end up capturing Ygritte, uh, uh, or I never know how to say her name. And there's stuff about the wargs and wolf dreams and John is supposed to kill her, but he can't bring himself to do it. And he frees her. And lastly in King's landing, uh, Sansa has been getting chummy with Dantos who has a plan to get her out of King's landing. Um, she's also being everybody's, I don't even know what to call it, but they're all, Sandor is relieving his frustrations with the world on her by telling her that everyone's meat and he's the butcher. Um, Pretty much literal quote. And then she, poor thing, has her period. And that means she's ready to marry Joffrey. And, you know, Stannis is coming. And Cersei also has to share her own dystopic worldview with Sansa. So that's all going down. (laughs) Good times. So then we get to the actual chapter. And um, Tyrion is basically going to have dinner with Cersei. And uh, he finds out from Varys that um, Bran and Rickon have been killed. And, you know, Tyrion seems kind of taken aback at that and then wonders if their wolves howled when they died. Because um, he remembers that when Bran was injured, the wolves were howling for him. And he and Cersei are all dressed up. They're both rocking the velvet. He's in Lannister red, and she's wearing deep green with her emeralds. Um, 
there's quite a lot about a description of her clothes there. Uh, and then he breaks the news to her about Bran and Rickon. And I found this was kind of interesting. He indicates several times he's anxious to see Cersei's reaction. But then we never really get what it is. Yeah. That was um, interesting. And then Cersei uh, shares that she didn't want Jamie to try to kill Bran. And it sounds like, you know, she really wasn't the one who tried to finish him off. And then, I love this. She also resents the, t- the idea that every time the Starks are hurt, that people think she's the one behind it. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Cersei's kind of, oh, I didn't have anything to do with it. Well, yeah, you did. You. Well, yeah. <laughs> you were there. He was taking care of the problem for you. You, you know, she never protested at the scene. She didn't say anything about it. She right. just, yeah. Um, and she seems very unconcerned about all of this until Tyrion points out that if if Catelyn thinks she was behind um, the boys being killed, that it's possible Catelyn might hurt Jamie, and that's the one thing that kind of draws Cersei up. And then, um, and like, why does she have to have that pointed out to her? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand. She had nothing to do with with Bran and Rickon. I mean, she is blameless there. Yeah, at least for this time. But you know, this one time. This well, yeah. But I mean, you, you can kind of see that. But on the other hand, yeah, she's not thinking out all the ramifications. Um, and then Cersei, of course, has to say, "Well, she's got Sansa," and Tyrion's like, "We have Sansa, and that maybe we should take care of her." You know, maybe stop letting. Joffrey have her beaten that'd be a nice start yeah so then they have a very extended menu for dinner and it sounds like it's quite rich um and actually I don't know how I feel about some of this um chestnut soup I've never had that I don't know maybe it's good uh hot bread their salad yeah the hot bread part I was like all all down for Salad greens dressed with apples and pine nuts. That actually sounds good. But the eel pie, I'm really not down <laughs> for. And then there's a honeyed ham and then carrots and then white beans and bacon and then roast swan and probably more other other things that didn't make the cut. I don't know. I this, mean, the honey just, ham <laughs> with carrots, that sounds like a little bit too sweet as a combo. But... <laughs> And then it's funny that you interpreted yeah. the greens as a salad. I thought of it as like, you know, like greens, greens, like cooked greens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that, too. But not with pine nuts and apples. Well, I mean, it could I be like know. a dressing. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, I could be. I don't know if it was salad greens. <laughs> and or here's just your like, all women's uh, Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Oh I mean, it could be something really yummy like beet greens or chard. I have no idea. But, um. Anyhow, Tyrion is doing that thing where he's watching what Cersei eats. He only eats the stuff she takes helpings of. Which, you know, yeah. he's not dumb. No. Um, well, it's so funny. This whole chapter feels like a little out of place to me because it's obviously, you know, Cersei's so sinister in it from Tyrion's point of view. And... You know, oh, she's fine. You know, she's doing all this shit to him. 
And, I mean, I hate to be a Cersei apologist here, but Tyrion already fucking poisoned her and kidnapped her son. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Like, and I mean, he did know, marry off her or, or send away her daughter without really, con- you know, consulting her. And I do get her point of view. And Like, he should be suspicious. But Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and the other thing that's killing me, because there's this whole long, con- this a long chapter, and they're basically Stannis and his army are are approaching, right? They're like in a really, it just seems so odd that they take this long pause for this extensive dinner party. Well, and that, you know, they, I mean, given like the starvation in the capital, it kind yeah, of feels I mean, people like are a, eating like a shoes. last supper. And they're like dining like there's no tomorrow. Well, I, I think well, that was my thing. That I'm there's like, no tomorrow. Well, I'm yeah, like but a roast swan between two people. Yes, yeah, so those are, are big. Huge. Those are big birds. I've nearly been attacked by them, and they could, you know, could probably take out your car. And that's a lot of yeah. Plus a, a ham. Meat. There's a whole ham. I assume like the servants get the leftovers, so you know. Again, but there are people out there who are like, you know, like I right. said, probably boiling shoes and eating people and, you know, their bowl of brown is whatever. I don't know. But but it's also weird that, um, you know, Cersei is using this kind of final moment of quiet to instead of, you know, kind of consolidate their working relationship, that now is the point where she like irrevocably breaks it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so stupid. I mean, like, it's hard. It's hard with the relationship between these two because I do get annoyed at the way that Tyrion treats her. But on the other hand, the history between them has been so much her causing the problem that I understand why he never gives her the benefit of the doubt. Well, I understand why he never gives her the benefit of the doubt because anyone who knows her knows that that's pointless. Right. But. I mean, yeah. I mean, like their their lives, their entire house is at stake here, and they can't get their acts together. I mean, it's just. And I mean, there's a real fear. I mean, we all know that Stannis doesn't win, but I mean, at this I point mean, in the story, it it sounds real grim. Is Cersei <laughs> afraid that to- Tyrion? I mean, is Cersei's fear that Tyrion's going to trade his life for Tommen? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think at this point, like, if these people were, either of them had their, their shit in order, they would be real, I mean, because if Stannis takes that city, they are both toast. She especially. I mean, but there's no, there's no out there for them. I mean, this is not, it, it will not end well. And although we know it's going to be fine for them, at least initially, you know, at that point in the story, they don't know that. I mean, I think yeah. I'm sure Cersei has some vague plans to, you know, try to seduce Stannis, which is yet another scene that George <laughs> deprived us of. Uh, there's fake out of that, actually. Um, no, sorry. <laughs> Gross. I hope so. Oh, I don't know. There's there's some good fake of uh, Stannis and Cersei that is not cracky, actually. But anyhow, um, sorry, I digress. So they're right now we're still kind of quasi civilized. They have this little discussion about Littlefinger. This is where I mean this I loved because she's like she doesn't trust him and and says that you know he'd go over to Stannis' side for money, which I mean, and Tyrion at least has the 
the right read on Stannis to know that there is no way <laughs> Stannis wouldn't buy him. And also that it, he would, it, Peter would not do well with that relationship. <laughs> and then um, poor Tandis Stokeworth would, I think really like to take her daughter and go back home and they won't let her leave. And then there's all this stuff about those stupid antler men. And it's kind of funny because they're both annoyed about all this stuff. And they're saying things like, what injury has House Lannister ever done these wretches? And it's like, okay. Yeah, I'm like, do you not remember when your dad sacked the city? City? You morons. And, I mean, one of them, like, are forgetting, maybe. But both of them, they, they both don't get it. And they're talking about, there's also an interesting talk. Again, we're still not quite to the the crux of this incredibly long chapter. Um, But they were talking about Varys, and I found there's a a passage I'd like to read aloud, because I found it was kind of interesting. A line appeared on Cersei's pale white brow between those lovely eyes. You put too much trust in that eunuch. He serves me well. Or so he'd have you believe. You think you're the only one he whispers secrets to? He gives each of us just enough to convince us that we'd be helpless without him. He played that same game with me when I first read Robert, wed Robert. For, for years, I was convinced I had no truer friend at court. But now, and I mean, kind of wonder. I mean, he has been playing all of them. And then you got to yeah. get... This little glimpse of what she was probably experiencing when she was first married to Robert. You mean when she was fucking her brother and passing her kids off his her kids off as his? Well, I mean, to be fair, Robert was also getting you know blind drunk and you know raping her at night. So you know, there's that too. And from beating her, her from her point of view. I mean, I don't know that she's a reliable narrator. I don't know. I mean, there's some passages. Where I she's, think she's reliable. I think she is. Like she says, like he'd be like, she talks about how she'd be hurt, like physically hurt and bruised. And then he'd be like, he wouldn't remember in the morning because he was drunk. I mean, well, I think that's the time he hit Joffrey so hard. I mean, I yeah, think he is capable of it. When he, you know. I don't think she's lying. No, and I mean, I there's either. also in uh, a game of Thrones. I mean, we find out that, I mean, Ned finds out that he's, like, clocked her a couple of times. Yeah. And and Robert's kind of like, well, you know, that wasn't right of me, but I don't she think she's lying off, here. Ned. She pissed me off. Just typical abuser talk. Yeah. So I think, I mean, she's, you know, a stopped watch can be right twice a day, and I think she's right here. I think... This is it does make you wonder what happened with Varys that she quit trusting him because it seems like anybody who just flattered her enough she would <laughs> be okay with. Yeah, but I mean, she never really. I mean, for the most part, those look how she treats those people she's known for years. I mean, they probably yeah. have all flattered her too at a certain point. Um, so Tyrion wants to take Sander away from Joffrey. And he wants uh, Sandor Clegane and Balin Swan to lead sorties. I think that's how you say it against Stannis. And he also would like Joffrey to be part of the battle. And she doesn't want that at all because he's only 13. Although 
again, this is the lady who in the previous chapter was basically going to a 12 year old and telling her she expects her to act and think like she's 35. Sorry. Um, bitter a little bit there. Um, and uh, Tyrion is like, it would be very controlled. Joffrey wouldn't be in the thick of things. He'd be protected. It would serve well. The people, you know, all the reasons why you'd want the king out there. And Cersei doesn't want anything yeah. to do with that. It's so interesting because you, you, you do get the contrast between Kat and Cersei as far as, you know, dealing with these young sons that, you know, like, of course, they're both worried about the kids, but it's like. Cat just kind of has to, you know, sit on it and let it happen. You know, she's terrified of what's going to happen, but she knows the way that things work and they, you know, in order for their, their feudal leadership system to continue to work, you have to let the head of the house go out there and be seen and be seen to be strong and be a leader and how Cersei just doesn't seem to get that aspect. Yeah, and well, I mean, you know, Rob has his, you know, Rob has his personal guard around him in the battles, and I think that's kind of what, you know, Tyrion is offering as well. It's just, you know, Joffrey, being who he is, has already not really inspired any loyalty in any individuals because he's <laughs> the king. Whereas, you know, I think the, you know, the men and women that were surrounding Rob were genuinely. Um, you know, they literally did die for him, you know, like in the Whispering Wood, they, you know, laid down their lives for him. And that wasn't because they were, you know, it wasn't orders. It wasn't anything other than, um, you know, their choice, essentially, their honor, if you will, even. And I mean, it's just unfathomable to imagine Joffrey having that. um, (laughs) Inspiring that kind of personal loyalty. Right. You know, not at all. Well, and, and, and Rob, I mean, Rob is actually quite a capable soldier. You know, he's been, his father has had him training for years. And and you would imagine that Joffrey has been. I mean, well, but it really seems like Joffrey is the kind of guy. He wants to be the chocolate soldier. He wants to put on all the the armor and have the cool sword. But I can't imagine he's got a lot of dedication to go out and practice every day and probably had... When Robert was around, was probably forced to, but I can't imagine Cersei is like, you know, making sure he's going out there to train all the time. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, no, I think I think that makes sense. It's just, you know, there's nothing, you know, by all rights, he should be a, you know, he's this tall for his age, you know, powerful young, you know, young man. He should be, you know, as much as as unrealistic it is for like. 13 and 14 year olds to be doing this like come on again yeah. stupid ages of the people um so then they have dessert and then everything what did they gets have for dessert i remember? believe it was blackberry tarts because oh. they had to make the obligatory tart joke yeah and everything gets a lot more hostile really fast and it starts with you know she tells them He's basically, you know, you're you're thinking with your dick, and that's why Varys is so dangerous because he doesn't have one. And then they have some more nasty banter. And then, okay, just a second, we have ahead. to stop and appreciate the fact that Cersei set this menu up just so that she could make a joke about Tyrion <laughs> liking to sleep with prostitutes. I think so. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's some dedication. 
Well, I like to think the whole meal was planned and it wasn't just so that, you know, like, you know, we would all pair well together and it wasn't like, yeah, serve whatever you want, but make sure there are tarts. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have waited for the dessert tart. I would have done like maybe put the swan in some kind of tart or, you know, a vegetable (laughs) tart or, you know, maybe several tarts to get the point across. (laughs) The theme going. Yeah. Tartlets, Um, appetizers, you know, the whole whole thing. Probably again, there's probably thick out there for like with the chef trying to come up with you know jokes. I don't know. Um, so it comes down to the fact that she and she scares the crap out of him by telling him that she has his whore. Um, and as Guile has mentioned from her point of view, I mean, he's plot well, actually, he is plotting against her. I mean, as far as she's concerned, he sold off Marcella, he stole Tommen, and now she seems to think he's going to try to have Joffrey killed in battle so she can rule through Tommen. I mean, which solid idea. Just saying. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is a woman who does eventually try to rule through her son. So, you know, twice. So, um, (laughs) but she's planning on using his, uh, bit on the side as leverage to keep Joffrey safe. And, um, I liked, I'm going to read this passage out again. Um, or not this, a different passage. What am I saying? Um, she truly believes I mean to kill my own nephew. The boys are safe. He promised her warily. Gods be good, Cersei. They're my own blood. What sort of man do you take me for? A small and twisted one. Tyrion stared at the dregs of the bottom of his wine cup. What would Jamie do in my place? Kill the bitch most likely and worry about the consequences afterward. But Tyrion did not have a golden sword, nor the skill to wield one. He loved his brother's reckless wrath, but it was their lord father he must try and emulate. Stone. I must be stone. I must be casterly rock, hard and unmovable. If I fail this test, I had as leaf seek out the nearest grotesquerie. I'm not saying that right, but I don't know. I, there's this whole bit about him, like, channeling Tywin, and reacting yeah. like Tywin, which I really, I thought it was actually quite a nice passage, and I thought it was particularly apt. It's just, again, yeah. funny that I don't think that he necessarily, you know, it, it's like George is still writing a different Jamie mm-hmm. than the one that he's going to write when he actually writes Jamie. Like, Tyrion's impressions of him feel like, you know, they kind of feel like a different person. When I think, I mean, it, it feels like Jamie when he's with you know, Red Ronnet, but it never really feels like Jamie when he's with Cersei. Like, he just takes, you know, he takes all of her shit. I mean, he really takes, like, all of it without, with almost never reacting. And, you know, Tyrion's impression of him is just someone that, you know, flies off the handle at the merest provocation, you know, merest provoking. Well, I mean, keep in mind that Cersei just you know, minutes ago basically said that Jamie acted first without thinking and pushed the kid out the right. window. Right. So, I mean, that is probably informing some of that thought process, but I think you're right. I kind of, I mean, George hadn't started to write really, you know, Jamie, as we get to know him, but well, yeah, I mean, that's part of it too is, you know, by the time we get to Jamie, <laughs> Jamie himself admits he's learned to start to think twice before he 
it's, you know, like caution is not something that has been much part of his makeup. Um, what, what I saw in this passage is, you know, this is kind of like a, a precursor to when Jamie tan- channels Tywin in mm-hmm. Feast, you know? Yeah. When he gives the trebuchet baby threat. Um, it's just kind of like that, you know, find your inner Tywin and <laughs> say the worst <laughs> possible thing you can come up with to make somebody do what you want. I feel yeah, like maybe you- we should practice this in, like, the workplace. Like, how does this work? Like, I really kind of want to, you know, like, maybe a self-help thing. I, I do think, though, I mean, as I think we've debated, I think if you're going to, um, if you're going to embrace your inner, or channel your inner Tywin, um, I mean, it, as with the trebuchet baby, I mean, you have to be prepared to, you know, whatever you say you're going to, or threaten to do, that has to be, you know... <laughs> Yeah, you got to be prepared to go there. It is not funny that I to think. Me. Oh, go ahead. Tyrion intends to go there with this threat at all. I know he doesn't intend oh, it. I it's mean, just like Jesus Christ. I hope not. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I, I was, I was just thinking. Yeah, I mean that's part of why Tywin succeeds is because people know he will do that. People well, know he know will sack the city. People yeah. know he would you know cannonball a baby across the. You know he would do that. And I think too, you know. Tyrion knows that Cersei does think he's the twisted demon monkey that would rape his nephew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he is, again, you know, like Jamie, like you, like you pointed out how Jamie does later, he is playing into his reputation specifically with the person that he's dealing with. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone else would, would anyone else that actually knows Tyrion, would they believe this? No. Maybe we would, because like... <laughs> I mean, it's like every bad thing that I think about Tyrion. No, I don't think that he would rape and kill Tommen. I don't. Yeah. Think well, that yeah, because that's that's the next bit. Um, I can never say this girl's name. I know. Um, I was so happy I wasn't moderating this. Alaya, Alaya, yeah. I feel like we add extra yas though. I have a feeling we do too. But anyhow, the one from Chitaya's who likes to read, and you know that one. Um, they bring her. She's Chitaya's daughter. Yes. And Cersei says she'll be released after the battle if he brings Tommen back. And it, this is what Chicky's alluding to. I mean, he basically channels Tywin and says, whatever happens to um, to Taya's daughter here. Well, and it, she's you been know, beaten. You know, she's bloodied. She's, you know, yeah, obviously he, been badly mistreated already. And he's like, anything, including rapes and beating, that will happen to Tommen too, which is going to come back to hurt him. But... Um, and Cersei clearly takes note and um, he basically promises to make sure, you know, this, uh, I can't say her name. Keep um, adding she, extra yas. <laughs> um, she plays along and he says, you know, he'll, he'll make sure she's freed. And I, I think he does feel some guilt about what's going on I here. I hope that he which does. Is, I mean, well, it's like, after a lot of what's been going on, it's like the first time where I'm like, oh, my God, there is a human being underneath there. You know, this man does feel guilt for yeah. you know what this woman's going to go through. Oh. I do like. Do you guys, does he ever do anything for them? Like, does he pay back this debt that he has to her by her, like, shutting her mouth? Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I'm I pretty mean, sure. He, he definitely okay. gets her free. I know that. But I feel like they should have, like, a gold-plated brothel after this. Like a nicer place than King's Landing. Yeah, because she's freed, and he gives her. Oh, Tywin frees her, and then has her whipped. Nice. 
Um, is that what happens? Jesus. I'm looking at the wiki. Um, I love as, that. I love that. Aliyah you know, like holds herself together. Like she's smart enough not to say anything and to just let, you know, Tyrion. Yeah. Basically deal with this. It's and really then, smart. Like she doesn't, she doesn't try to tell these guys, Hey, no, I'm not, I'm not. He never actually touches me or right. anything like that. But, Oh, and it looks like Tyrion gives her some jewels. Well, after that, I'm sure that really helped. Yeah. And oh God, Bronn slept with her and some other prostitute, and so did Oberyn. Okay. Um. Uh, who's the who's the archer in the Brotherhood Without Banners? Oh, Ain guy. Didn't he spend all of his money sleeping with her? Like all of his money Maybe. from the Tourney of the Hand, and like that's why he was like in the Maybe. Brotherhood Without Banners. I don't know. It looks like Bronn Bron had a, a threesome here. Oh, and then at well, some someone point, someone did at least it, with with her and Marie, Marie, I don't know how you say this. And then Oberyn also betted her too. But okay, anyhow, um, more than we really needed to talk about. And he, there's this passage which I think they actually used on the show or something. But he 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 tells Cersei, unfortunately, in front of witnesses. <laughs> I've never liked you, Cersei, but you are my own sister, so I never did you harm. You've ended that. I will hurt you for this. I don't know how yet, but give me time. A day will come when you think yourself safe and happy, and suddenly your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, and you'll know the debt is paid. So he goes back to the Tower of the Hand, where Shay is waiting naked and wearing that the chain with the little gold hands on it. Oh, and she does have a good line. Which one? I think she says something about, "Oh, I wanted your your hands on my tits, but this is you know as close yeah. as I could get." Like something like she's that. Quite, she's quite witty. <laughs> like, um, he's too good for him. She's not. She's very unhappy with Lawless, and she does say, "I mean, it's it's so." I mean, granted, she's had this really crappy life herself, but I feel so sorry for Lawless. And Shay's like, you know, calling her a fat pig and, you know, she just has a baby in her. And so what? She got raped. It's like, oh, my God, these people are so horrible. Well, and I mean, um, remember, she's been like, you know, abused by her father. and yeah, I, I, I get that. It just, yeah. It's hard. You know? Yeah, I know. And I don't think they understand, you know, when they, they throw around like terms half wit and stuff like that. But, you know, there's no understanding of what that actually means. Means. Um, Tyrion is quite concerned with how she got into the chamber and that there is a secret passage and she's much more concerned with having sex. And it's, it is kind of funny because he's trying to figure out well, where's the thing. How do these people get in here? Cause you know, he does have people trying to kill him. So there's that. Um, finally they start to make out, but he can't, he can't get an erection and, you know, eventually She's just like, okay, and they fall asleep, but he has the thought, innocence, because he's like, he's thinking of Shay, and he actually says something about the, I think, the innocence on her face, and he says, innocence, fool, she's a whore. Cersei was right, you think with your cock, fool, fool. And then this very long chapter ends. Ugh. I mean, it's- God, the foreshadowing of with yeah. this last scene is horrific. <laughs> Like the fact that he's looking for this passage that we know he will later well, use. And that he's just, you know, recognizing what she is to him. Yeah. And then, you know, that doesn't matter later. Like, 
when you know when he's going to kill her basically for being in bed with his father. Yeah. And I mean, you know, now you know you guys have talked a lot about this from like Shay's point of view, and I mean, think about how terrified every you know the fact that Tyrion can't have sex with her right here, like he you know he's soft. Um, I mean, how terrifying is that for her? You know, what if you're thinking if you're Shay, you're thinking. Oh my God! If he doesn't want me, you know what? Right. Is, what is going? You know, and on the he doesn't want me on the eve of, you know, the city possibly getting sacked. Like what? You know, what is yeah. your fate? And um, yeah, well, I mean, her usefulness becomes, you know, as far as if if this is just a relationship of sex, which she probably does think it is. That's, I mean, if you can't please the guy you know that right. you know i mean why do you think she's there because she super wanted to have sex with him i mean maybe no, I don't it was to get away I think from, she's... from lawless because she's you know pregnant well, and, doesn't, also... and traumatized and doesn't understand what happened to her and then also you know wants to continually ingratiate herself with Tyrion, who controls her life and fate completely well yeah. and and if she's smart enough to know and i think she is you know what everyone else seems to be ignoring, which is the fact that there are, there is an army coming and that there's a very likely possibility that, you know, the city will be sacked and she, you know, she's got to think about herself. So, I mean, I don't blame her. Oh no. I, no. it's just, uh, so that's the chapter. I don't know if anyone has any other thoughts. Well, something I meant to talk about was it's just interesting in this chapter we get we had um, Cersei kind of repeating something that Tyrion has said before, which is, you know, she says Tyrion, I would hurt you except for the fact that Jamie would never forgive me. So it's basically like Jamie's the only thing that's stopping Tyrion and Cersei from killing each other. I mean, legit, yeah. That I mean, that is exactly the only thing holding them from. I think the glue, you know, the glue in a very dysfunctional family, right? God. Like, we think it's Tywin, but in, you know, many ways it's, you know, it's Jamie. And. Uh, yeah, I don't think Tywin, I think Tywin has made things so much worse. Um, I think they're just scared shitless of him, and that does keep them in line, but that doesn't mean they're not all, you know, running out and, you know, doing their own separate little plots to get around Daddy. No, I think Jamie is the one keeping them all together. <laughs> I mean, not 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 doing necessarily a great job of it. No, he's not. But I mean, think how much worse (laughs) it would be. Well, they'd both be dead by now. Yeah. This reminds me of the beginning of Arrested Development. Did you guys ever watch that show? Yeah. Where it's like Michael's the one who's trying to keep them all together. (laughs) It's like Jamie. Jamie's the Michael Bluth of Westeros. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cersei's certainly like, uh, what's her name? The... Oh God, I can't think of the actress, the Jessica Walters character. <laughs> With the, the, what was it? There's like, I think she's the one where there's a God. I love Lucille. that show. Lucille, Lucille but she's like, it's either her or it's Portia de Rossi. But there's like, it, they've opened up a bottle of vodka, and she's like, "Well, I have to drink it all, or it'll go bad." <laughs> <laughs> does seem like Wait, her to let a bottle of vodka go bad. Yeah, I don't know, but. Um, it could happen <laughs> somehow. <laughs> well, all right. So, do we have any mail? We actually hold your 
hold to your horses, everyone. We actually have quite a bit of mail. Um, we have a message from an Anon on Tumblr that says, and I'm really sad Clotho isn't here for this one, um, can we talk about the fact that Jamie has canonically cross-dressed before and apparently was good at it since he and Cersei <laughs> were able to fool people? Jamie oh has God. cross-dressed before and it's amazing. We should talk about this all the time. It's so unique for this sort of character to do this and I just think it's really cool and different. And another way to explain why he's more empathetic to women compared to other men. He's literally walked in our shoes. So yeah, can we talk about this? So Clotho Anon, does talk about yeah, it. All Anon, the time. this is like Clotho. Jamie in a dress is Clotho's like absolutely favorite thing. At the yeah, moment I, Clotho hears this, she's gonna be like, Yeah, I wanted to be oh, on yeah. here for that. She'll be fist pumping and mad that she wasn't here for this. I can't remember which episodes, but I know we've talked about it. Oh yeah. Time. I think Jamie in a dress has been like a continuing a continuing theme. And yeah, I mean I think you know, I think they're right. Like I think it does you know, the fact that he was literally in women's shoes, like, does make... I mean, he's naturally more empathetic than his siblings anyway, but, you know, I think he gets he gets it a little bit. Um, we have another Anon on Tumblr who says, Just wanted to drop you guys a line to let you know that I'm a teacher, and I constantly hear my students talking about the video game Fortnite. Every time one of them mentions it, my brain automatically responds, Fortnite, that's 14 days. <laughs> Thanks a lot, and keep up the good work, ladies. <laughs> I love that. I only know that because of Wimbledon. Um, we have an email from Kathy, that, Kathy from San Antonio, which I was just in San Antonio last month and um, for the first time, and I really liked it. And my favorite place, Kathy, was a spot called The Friendly Spot, which was a bar that was attached to a playground. So it was fantastic. Um, anyway. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hi, ladies and gents. I'm enjoying your podcast weekly as always, even though it makes me a little sad to realize how much my mental image that I thought from the books was really from the show. He's still an interesting character, but it's impossible after listening to your astute analysis to ever read his chapters again with much affection for him. I was listening to a new podcast the other day that's become a, one of my favorites, and they discussed what might have become of Brienne's arc had the infamous five-year gap never happened. And I mm. immediately thought of you guys and wanted to see what you thought about thought of it. The podcast is um, the not a, not a Cast, and the hosts are Brendan Blackfish and Poor Quentin, who are two of my favorite non-closed-door commenters. Um, they're also our friends on Twitter, so <laughs> we know we know about their podcast, um, and they are embarking upon a chapter by chapter reread. And the episode I'm referring to is number four, Danny One from A Game of Thrones. If you I don't want to listen this. to the whole episode, the Brienne discussion occurs at about ten minutes in um, that episode. And Kathy is really interested in um, basically the the idea is that Pretty Maris is a representation of what might have happened to Brienne um, without the five year gap, or I mean, I'm sorry, with the five year gap, if we would have picked up with her five years later. And, um, you know, what do you guys think? Had you come across this observation before? I, I hadn't, we but I... Did we talk about this? No, did we? I know we talked about Pretty Maris. I, know, I did I've listen seen to the it. podcast. Yeah. It was... I don't listen to a lot of um, Song of Ice and Fire ones, but I've been following them, and I did find it interesting what they were talking about. And, I mean, it is true. I mean, you've got Brienne well, the Beauty, Pretty Maris. They're both you know, women who are not particularly attractive who end up yeah, sort of having to carve a place out in society. It's just a very different kind of 
Well, and like a very different person. I mean, pretty Mary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not of, at all alike. Company, and it's hard to imagine, you know, in five years, Brienne, you know, becoming someone who tortures people and, you know, is known for being able to draw out their deaths. Like that's right, right, bit, right. No, I'm I'm not saying yeah. they're the same at all. I'm just saying I, I do kind of, I did kind of wonder if maybe, you know, initially that was the plan and he well, took this his... Was- this is a theory, well, theory or whatever, because of this. There was this huge post that was on yeah, our ASOIAF, like I don't know, maybe last year, like maybe six, eight months ago, and um, so I'm sure that's why they were talking about it because it was kind of, you know, we get so few new thoughts in fandom, um, and yeah, I think there's some merit to the concept of of Pretty Maris maybe being George going, okay, well, here's what the reality would have actually been. But I mean, yeah, I think there are differences in character between them. I mean, I don't think that they're literally the same. Oh, no, I, I don't think so either. And I don't think um, the people on Not A Podcast did either. I think it was just sort of this idea that kind of like a Could rough be. sketch, you know, like, well, the, the idea basically started and then I, I don't think they were making an argument at all that they're the same. It was more like, you know, like maybe he took some inspiration or this was a direction he went in that could have been. And then maybe I love that all these to... podcasters are talking about this and probably nobody has credited the person who came up with this concept on Reddit. Whoever you are. Sorry. <laughs> I, don't I know. know it was you. I'm sure that I mean, you know, I know. Brendan Blackfish is a mod. He's a mod on that subreddit, so I'd be shocked if they, if they in particular didn't credit it. Yeah, I don't remember that part, but, but it, I listen to so many podcasts, so yeah, it's just. Um, I mean, isn't it funny though that we're like, wow, Brian has been eaten and you know hung and you know whatnot, but it could have been worse. <laughs> It actually could have been significantly worse. Yay. Well, with this series, that's always the case. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you should be happy what with what happens, you know, what happens to her. It could have, you know, been. And, I mean, you know, I could see where you can say, hey, if she would have tracked Arya and, you know, crossed to Bravos right then, you know, maybe that is what, ha- you know, something like that happens. Well, I don't think she changes into a completely different person. All right, we've got another email from Shelby who says, Hey, guys, especially Chicky because she's my fave. (laughs) No one ever says I'm their fave, fuckers. Um, Maybe that's why. I came across your podcast a few weeks ago, and I've been hooked ever since. I binge it more than Netflix. So glad I found my people. Jamie stands that understand him and don't misinterpret his character. The hate he gets from fandom is usually because of misinterpretation. But at the same time, you never forget his flaws or excuse his wrongdoings. Not to mention the fact that you're hilarious, ship Lannistarth, and call Tyrion on his shit. Where have you been all my life? Um, seriously, you are the absolute best and have become my faves in a record amount of time. And she has a, a couple of questions. Um, how do you think Jamie and Danny would react to each other? Their characters are connected. He killed her father, and not to be gross, but it's quite possible he heard her being conceived since he had to stand outside the door while Ares raped Rayella. And he, gets, <sighs> and he regrets oh. not protecting her niece-nephew. They have a lot to talk about, and what would she do with him, especially if he tells her why he killed Ares and that Ares abused her mother? I don't think... Uh, I think she doesn't... 
just I don't think she has the ability at the moment to understand like why he did what he did and I don't know that he's articulate enough of a character I mean he's articulate but I don't know I think you know she has a vision in the house of undying of you know that burn the mom moment but you know thinking about when they might actually meet in the books it's it's kind of like i mean jamie Roasted already jamie. well and just you know like jamie already had the moment where he thought about you know putting viserys on the throne and then you know thinks about you know there's a 50/50 chance or more that he's going to be a mad a madman like his father so then you think of danny and you know her living on the edge of madness. And it's kind of hard to imagine Jamie even being like willing to, you know, explain a damn thing to her. Well, the fact yeah, that I think he, held, the- he could have made his life significantly easier if he had explained to say, I don't know, Ned or someone, if he had, he doesn't talk about it until he's in the bath with Brienne. So the fact I don't see him like, yeah, he's not going to apologize or And he's not going to even explain. So I don't know. I can't see them ever getting to a point where they could have an informed kind no. of closure. No. Uh, I mean, the fact that well, he doesn't tell anyone or doesn't explain what happens to anybody but Brienne, and that's after, you know, quite a bit has gone on between them. I don't see him, like opening up to Danny and I don't think she's in a position emotionally to accept whatever he'd be telling her, even if he would. And I don't think he would. Yeah. I mean, she wants him dead and knowing what we know about him, I bet he would want her dead because as much as he has feelings for Rhaegar, I mean, like he's clearly very leery of the entire Targaryen, you know, bloodline and so it's like Rhaegar was something different because he knew Rhaegar and knew that he was not you know not and he knew like her mother but he didn't know her no <laughs> I mean well, I mean, it's like said, clearly he knew Viserys was a terrible choice yeah so I, I just I feel like you know I've always kind of thought too you know Tyrion is Danny's betrayal for love and I don't know that they'll ever. I don't know that they'll ever meet. I think that Jamie could very easily die without ever meeting Danny, and or Danny could easily yeah. die without ever meeting Jamie. Like I, I don't know that it's important. Like for any, I don't know that it's important for them to meet. I think it's important for Tyrion to sort of be in between them somehow, in some way. But I don't know that they actually meet. Yeah, I I feel like they'll never meet because Jamie's going to be dead by the time she gets to Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. As will we all. Yeah. <laughs> True. So uh, Shelby has another question, which is, um, why didn't Jamie show Cersei some fighting moves behind Tywin's back? She says, I feel like she would have wanted to learn at one point so she could feel, you know, more powerful or like she has agency. And, you know, would Jamie have, would Jamie have taught her because... He, you know, he obviously has nothing against women learning to fight, or did he like the dynamic where he's the warrior and, and she's the maid, and so he wouldn't um, want to switch that up? Any thoughts on any thoughts on that? I mean, for me, I like how I ask you guys if you have thoughts, and then I just start answering it. Sorry. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> 
I wonder, I mean, I could see her being interested, but I do kind of wonder if he ever even thought to do it. I, I don't, don't think Cer- I don't think Cersei's interested in learning fighting moves at all. Like I don't think she actually like she just she wants like, she kind of wants to just complain about it. She doesn't actually want to do anything about it. Yeah, if she wanted it, it would have happened. Yeah. Is pretty much my what my answer would. Be. I mean, like Jamie's not going to take the initiative on something like that. If she wanted to do it, he'd have taught her, and <laughs> she didn't. So he didn't. It would be to, my thing. Yeah, I think she you just know, wants to feel aggrieved. There's I've I've read. Like, I guess I call it meta about because she she's the one who's always talking or talks more particularly about them, like switching roles Mm -hmm. and clothes and stuff and how nobody could tell them apart. And I have read and God knows, I mean, George and his genetics is already pretty twisted and warped in his idea of how this stuff actually works. But, you know, I've read stuff from people who make a pretty convincing case that, you know, she may have thought they got away with it, but that may be people knew because, you know, at a certain age, you can start to tell, you know, the difference between boys and girls um, from yeah. features and things. <laughs> and also that, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that Tywin knew they were switching, you know, roles but that people were aware and were probably like yeah whatever i you know you know like well and i mean identical twins they're not identical twins they're fraternal and they're boy girl twins i mean there's there's no way that they're that close in appearance no and i could see like you know servants being like okay are they burning anything down are they destroying it okay fine let them go you know, until well, it's that fine age. line between is George's grasp of genetics so poor that he believes that you can have an identical, you know, fraternal a twelfth night identical <laughs> kind of male female twin, and I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, like, that, the put it outside like, the realm of possibility that at the time of writing, like, he I, thought that was a real thing. Did he really? I've always wondered. Did he really think that was this whole Google? business of eye and hair color and the Baratheon genetic thing was legit or if he just didn't know and just tried to fake it afterwards. Pre-Google. I say again, pre-Google. I mean, like, back then, you know how it was. Like, you kind of would shoot the shit with friends and go, what am I going to do? Go look this up in an encyclopedia or am I just going to consider this a work of fiction? Right, whatever I think. bought the Encyclopedia Britannica one letter at a time in the grocery store and maybe you didn't get the K's or the the Mendel or the or but she had the M's, so that's what you know. <laughs> oh God! I'm picturing Martin with like I don't know the Funkin' Wagnalls. <laughs> Is that what it was? was like, the Funkin' Wagnalls that they sold in the That was how we solved things. Like we went and grabbed the encyclopedia. Well, unless your parents like bought like the Britannica from like a traveling salesman or like some right. flyer in a magazine, the supermarket, yeah, they at least the, the ones I had, we had were the Funkin' Wagnalls, okay, and we had several we had. sets. Yeah, and you had to buy them like a letter at a time, except you know, obviously right. they combine like. Ag- I feel like there are people who legit will not believe this. <laughs> like, what? well, it's sort of like a letter at a time. Do you guys? Do you know what depression glasses? Yeah. Yeah. So it's that really pretty stuff. It's it's mo- usually a very col- you know like yep. greens and pinks and stuff. And my grandmother apparently had a ton of it that my when she died my parents unwisely gave to 
a cousin who really did not deserve it, but sorry, that's a little bitter. But um, my dad told me like they would get that from the movies. Like every time they would go to the movies, which is a regular occurrence, you would get like the creamer or the plate or whatever. Yeah. We got that from, yeah, not from the movies, but I think that might've also been at the grocery store that you would get like pieces of it. Pieces of, like, of a set. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I, that was definitely part of my childhood, too, the supermarket China. And it yep. was like this not particularly attractive stuff in my parents' case. It was like, my God, even our, I think we had a Funkin' Wagnalls, like, children's encyclopedia that was like, like, safety orange. Okay. I want to say, my, my mom still has it in the basement somewhere. And when you would have to, like, do a book report, you definitely wanted to choose a topic that was started with the letter of the encyclopedia (laughs) that you happen to have so you didn't have to go to the library. Yeah, I guess I was spoiled because we had a full set of Encyclopedia Britannicas and my dad actually bought a new one when I started high school so that I could actually (laughs) look things up. Yes, see that? Because we had one from the 70s before and everything was outdated. Everything was different. It's like, but I like a- remember, like, yeah, because like a re- and for a long time I could get away with Funk and Wagnalls, and then it was like you kind of graduated to like World Book and Encyclopedia Americana, and then the really fancy encyclopedia was Britannica. Yeah, sorry, I just never would have <laughs> described mine as a fancy household, but I guess, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you had a full set of encyclopedias, damn girl. I feel our users fresh, are, like, are you what the, the fresh prince of Bel Air? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and also, we had some plastic uh, dishes that we got in um, progressively through dog food bags. <laughs> Every bag would have like, plates or like a new cup yellow plastic. Oh my god! <laughs> Just That's to add so to that, great. so to take the fancy off of the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> We ate on them, too. <laughs> the dishes from the dog food bags. Oh, God. Oh, kids, oh. today, you're just missing out on everything. <laughs> probably never even had green stamps. What were oh, green okay. stamps? <gasps> oh, you weren't around for those? I don't know that I remember them. So, like, you would go to certain stores, and with your purchase, you would get, they were called green stamps because they were stamps and they were green. And you would save them up. And you would fill up these booklets, and depending on how many you had, you could get something. And sometimes they were quite nice. In fact, if you ever saw, there's a Brady Bunch episode where the boys want to get this one thing, and the girls want to get like a sewing machine. Uh-huh. Okay. They're using the, green the stamps. stamps. Huh. And like you could get like you know chintzy little things, or if you had enough of them, you could get you know. Like, so this is this is like an early rewards card, is what you're talking yeah, about. But like- yeah. Okay. And it was a bunch of participating stores. It wasn't just like one, like, you know, JC Penney's. It was like you could go to multiple places and they would all be participating. I, I still can't believe you got your dishes from dog food bags. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, all of our viewers are going, what the hell? And why are we talking we about the so show or the book? Okay. Okay. We, we've got one more, so- one more email, and, and now we'll never, ever have guest emails again. Um, <laughs> hi, gals, and maybe it's just from M, who says, hi, gals, and maybe guys. It's taken me almost six months, but I'm finally sending this email to you. Just wanted to say thank you so much for the podcast. I started university in September. The one Isaac Hempstead Wright started too, would you believe? 
Freshers' week was absolute madness with the possibility of him popping up at any moment. And I have a half-hour walk to get to my hall, from my halls to campus. And you guys have kept me company every step of the way, literally. The walk to and from uni has become the highlight of my day because I get to just be alone and listen to you gush about, my, about the two true loves of my life, Jamie and Brienne. I actually found you guys by chance when I searched Jamie Brienne in the podcast app, assuming nothing would come of it, but lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> I'm fairly new to fandom, having binged the Game of Thrones series with my dad only this time last year and restarting the book series when I got to uni, meaning I'm only halfway through A um, A Storm of Swords as of right now. In all all fairness, though, I've been totally spoiled for everything anyway, and I'm holding off listening to your episodes on all of the books I haven't made it to yet, so I'm really looking forward to finally making my way through those. You guys have such insightful comments to make about both the books and the show, and it makes me so happy to have such a strong panel of intelligent women brightening my day by talking smack about D&D and the assassination of certain characters. <laughs> I don't think I could manage listening to any other Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones podcast, especially when those that are just a bunch of dude bros show worshipping. So thank you for that. Anyway, thank you guys so much for bringing your own little bit of light to my life for the past six months. Hit me up if you're suddenly in need of a guest at any point, even... Even if I know the time difference will hurt me. So, yes, um, I'm, I, I don't remember reading that when I originally read the email, so I will do that. <laughs> but thank you. What a nice email. Yes, Is it Lot that loves nice hearing emails. where people Lot loves hearing where people listen to the podcast? That, that's her thing. Like, I think so. Yes. Clotho likes she the cross-dressers. Lot likes hearing where people, <laughs> where people listen to it. <laughs> so that's it. But a lot of mail. Well, we oh. love getting... We love getting mail. Um, so if you have any or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, um, you can email us at close the door and at gmail.com. Um, also, please rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you hear us. Um, it really helps other people find the podcast. Um, and also, let's see, uh, you can find us at Tumblr at close the door and come here at dot com. <laughs> Ah, close the door and come here, tumblr.tumblr.com, or on Twitter at Door Podcast. And you can also follow us on Facebook. I would love to hear people tell us where they um, they got their family dishes from. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. If, I, if that's still a thing, please, please, I'm dying to know if anyone else. Yeah. Uh, also. Uh, please consider supporting this podcast on Patreon. You'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new content. Um, Thank you to our panel and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.